Okay. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hey. Thanks for um, coming. It's Tuesday. I, I just feel like these, this is our second one that we've done here. So we're so casual at it's this point. It's Laserbeak. It's Jacob Maldonado. Yes, here um, I am. And a huge thank you to the Parkway Theater for um, kind of being the impetus for doing this in the first place. And um, I don't know. It's Tuesday night. Like, I go through my... Tuesdays, the work day is like absolute chaos. You're getting um, Mondays mayhem figured out and blah, blah, blah. And I picked up Jake and I was on a f- conference call and we're like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's just this. And that is what I've been looking forward to for a couple weeks now. So yeah. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone. I know that Tuesday night is not the most ideal um, time to be out and being around everybody else. But thank you for being here and hanging out and supporting the podcast yeah thanks for supporting us <laughs> this is um, actually yeah and you know and on that note too I'd, I'd say that um we also have some really incredible sponsors yes. and it feels fucking official to be a podcast with some sponsors yeah that's that pretty legit something that's I when feel, you know you've made it yeah i We've feel real good it. about that so enormous shouts to um copycats media who's been on board for a couple months now and we've we've worked with or Doomtree has worked with for like 15 years now. Um, they've produced all of our physical CDs and LPs and um, are just an incredible partner. Um, and so I'd recommend to anybody, uh, this is like always my uh, you know, glowing review, but um, if, you're trying, if you're an artist or you're working with artists, whatever, and you want to make some product, go to Copycats Media. They're the best. Um, I have a Bent Paddle beer in my hand. Thank you so much. Uh, they've got that on tap. This is the black, right? Let's try it out. Okay. Wow. We're gonna get, this is going to be like, this is going to be like, um, NPR. You're going to get, it? yeah, you're going to get the little, mm, <laughs> laser beak mm. takes a sip of mm. the beer. Incredible. 10 out of 10 review. 10 out of 10. Bent paddle black. <laughs> 11 out of 10. 11 um, out of 10. And also big time shouts to, um, to absolute who are, Presenting us with the new Lizzo Absolute Juice. Come on. Yes. yes. Right? Uh, she has her own vodka. It's really good. It's fantastic. It and the Parkway did a great job. Let's try that too. This is great. This is all, how all podcasts should start. Yeah. Okay, just lots of just... mouth sounds. People mm. love that. Fantastic. Mm. <laughs> Incredible. Really, really good. And huge shouts to Red Bull as well, who's been on board and, and helping out and just... And fueling your life, really. Yes, exactly. Fueling my life. <laughs> um, no question about it. Um, so, yes, thank you, Copycats, Bent Paddle, Absolute Red Bull, um, for helping us pull this off. Thank you to Parkway. Thank you to everybody here. Um, here we go. This here we is go. officially... The 10th episode. In the last episode, we kept referencing it as episode 10, and it just absolutely wasn't the 10th episode. It was the 9th. I don't know why I thought it was the 10th, but just I did. just itching for double digits. I really, I also thought that we met for the first time in August. That was until October. Lie. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, time just doesn't make sense to me, apparently, because uh, I had construct. no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this is episode 10. This, this is episode is 10. Double digits, baby. <laughs> we're, we got there. We're finally there. in the double Holy digits. Holy shit. When Jacob uh, hit me on Twitter yep. in October, October and was like, last year. you have no choice now. I produce podcasts. Let's, Let's make go. a podcast. Let's go. Um, I did not expect to get to double digits. So thank you, Jacob. 
for holding my hand throughout all of this. Of course. Um, and Jake is wearing some really cool boots. You're not going to hear that on the podcast. I've got a lot of compliments about but these boots. Give it up for Jake's boots. I was also. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> on episode nine of the podcast, I was trying to compliment Jake's bangs and then referred to it as Bang Gang. And that Which is something I, that I haven't been... You can get why that didn't sound great, <laughs> <laughs> to say bang gang. I haven't been able to live that one down for a while, so apologies on that. It's just, it's the, you just say good. nice bangs. Yeah. That's all you say. Yep, you don't say bang gang. You never say bang Absolutely gang not. ever no. to anybody. <laughs> don't uh, say it. So we're learning here. We're going, we're 10 episodes in now. We're slowly kind of getting our grasping. Um, we are, what, what are you into what am I into? Well, Music. <laughs> musically. <laughs> musically. Um, yeah, so bonus jams for this week. Uh, musically, I've been listening to the new Lana Del Rey record, Norman yeah. fucking Rockwell. It's incredible. It's called Norman fucking Rockwell. Norman fucking Rockwell. It's tight. It's a great name. I haven't listened to, to it. Yeah. Tell me about it. It It's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, I think, her best album to date. Okay. I've been a big Lana fan for a long time, so to me it's like... I think I'd like almost every album of hers, but this one is just like particularly incredible. This is the one. And it's gotten a lot of really great reviews. That's where I'm at. I'm like, I keep reading enough about it where I'm like, okay, it's time. Tipping point. And then in the trailer backstage, I proved to Jacob that I would listen to it by saving it it on Spotify. So. I've been listening to that, and then obviously Great Hits by Shredder. Thank you that's so been, much. God, that's, that's so kind of you. on repeat <laughs> all month. What a classic. An instant classic. Am I right? <laughs> it's a great it's album, It's almost guys. as if one of the, the main vocalists is in the crowd tonight. I, I wouldn't... I what wouldn't, a treat. What yeah, a special treat for all of like us. almost like that, but not quite, you know? <laughs> um, no, I have, I've been listening to that a lot. Suburban Bass has been on repeat for me. It's a great Amazing. track. Oh, we have some other Shredders fans out here. That's nice to hear. That's, that's really... That's really kind of everybody. Um, no, yeah. We dropped that Shredders album, and it fucking bangs. It's, it's That's great bang hits. gang. That's bang that gang. Bang That's gang. when you say bang gang. Um, Shredders album is out. Uh, we just announced the full details of the Dessa album with the Minnesota Orchestra. Yes. If you guys November. haven't listened to Call Off Your Ghost live yet, listen to it. I was there when it was recorded, and I was still, like, blown away. I was like, this sounds incredible. It's a, there's, like, 100 people on the song, so it's a weird... It's a, <laughs> it's a weird... The Having heard it so many times at this point, I'm like, it's cool. It's totally You're cool. Over it. it's, You're no, over I'm not. It. I'm not over it. It's an insane. It's insane to me that Doomtree Records is releasing an album by the Minnesota Orchestra. I will never be able to get over that. And so today, um, actually today, we, we dropped the, like, the first song and the big announcement and all that. Um, you're listening to the podcast. It's not today. It's a little bit later. Sorry. Uh, but um, it feels really good. So that's dropping November 8th. So we have Shredders, Great Hits, Death in the Minnesota Orchestra, mm-hmm. Sound the Bells, recorded live at Orchestra Hall. Wow. That's like our, that's the second half of Doomtree. So it's been feeling really good and shouts to everyone that rocks with Doomtree. And New Year's show for Shredders. Yeah. If you're in the Twin Cities, New Year's show, Shredders, Turf Club, Ultimate Rager. That's going to be a party. You need to do it. I wish I'm gonna I I'm going to wake up in the Clown Lounge. I won't be there. I know. You'll be in Puerto Rico. I'll be in Puerto Rico. Sorry. That's a good excuse, Jacob. <laughs> I think it's maybe the only excuse I would accept. That's the only one. It's Jacob the only reason like I'd be gone. Walking distance from the turf club. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's okay. That's all right. It's fine. That's okay. Um, what have you been listening to? I, in like the fall, things usually get a lot busier, and I go to my like, um, it's like church music or something for me, but I either listen to Luther Vandross or Babyface on repeat. So I'm in my. <laughs> 
I've been really digging into my Babyface starter pack on Spotify. If I could plug my own listen, Spotify Laser playlist. His, his Spotify, listen, his music's great, but his Spotify's underrated. I would say All that right? my starter packs are maybe like the, um, the crown jewel of my discography. Yeah, you the have a, of, I looked and you have a Doomtree full discography playlist. Yeah, we just put up the, so there's a Doomtree uh, complete discography we just put up that's like 25 20, hours of music. Yeah, it's um, crazy. So if you are on Spotify, which I think most people are now, you can just look up Doomtree Complete and you can look at the everything we've released that's out, out there. And you can dedicate a full day to you listening a, to over all of it. a day to do it. And then give your ears some rest and listen to my Babyface starter pack. Because <laughs> it was meticulously crafted. It starts with some of his early hits. It goes up until his very most recent classic, which I would argue is his best album to date. Um, the Return of the Tender Lover. And <laughs> so I, I'd give you about half that record, actually, because it's so fucking great. Um, and then we get into, like, the deep dive into all the songs that Babyface wrote for other people that you forget about, like the Tevin Campbell joints and the Boys to Men joints and um, his early bands and blah, blah, blah. It's so good. Such I could talk all night playlist, about it. Man. But we got to get to our first guest. Yes, we do. Um, I'm so, so excited. This is our second live guest um and i could not be more pumped to introduce greg Grease, who to me is like an absolute staple of this community has been involved in the music scene since i can remember um and has just consistently elevated the game made me want to be a tighter producer every step of the way um and just a, a super awesome dude so please give it up for greg Grease. There he is. There he is. Oh yeah. Or are we you got your dri- you got your absolute juice. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Um, okay, I'm just gonna put this bent paddle right here. Word up. I'm gonna put that right there. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. Shouts to bent paddle. I feel you. Okay. Greg, dude, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Greg is three months deep into his first child. Yep. Three yep, months yep. deep into. That. Greg has had has had a child for three months now. Yep, yep. Ajani, Ajani, yep, yep. Three How months. You, up? you know, I'm trying to sleep when I can, yeah. and you know, yep. no, I'm just kidding. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. I saw you. Uh, I think like two days after he was born, and you came for like an interview thing, not a work interview, like we were doing an interview with somebody, yeah. and. Um, I was like, you really don't have to come here, man. You're like, no, it's all good. I'll pop in for an hour. It's all good. It's like, that's impressive. Well, f- funny enough is like, then it was easier. Uh-huh. Now, it gets a little bit more real. Yeah. Those first couple of days, I was like, what? This is easy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, psych. Not so much. Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> You're doing great. You're still awake. Um, that's why we do these things early, man. So we can all go home, sleep. It's I'll perfect. be going home and staying up. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like we've, we just tend to go into the like, let's start from the beginning mm-hmm. with these things. And that's where I want to start with you. Like, I feel like since I was in the hip hop community, you've always been there. You've been Word. a name, whether it was just like, whatever. So that might be a weird time traveling thing you're doing or what. But, um, but. Because I look the same age, is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, you don't age, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I don't know, like, the, the, early beginnings of a young Greg Grease. So let's fucking go there. Let's, let's get do into it. it. What, uh, how'd you get into 
how'd you get into music? Were you into music first? Were you into dinosaurs? What was your... Oh, Which came first? Did you fuck with you a know, stegosaurus? I, I've all? always... You know, I was never really a dinosaur kid. Like, I loved dinosaurs, but yeah. you know there's that dinosaur kid that yeah. just knows all the dinosaurs. And that was, I was not no you. Kid. No, no, no. I know. I was, I was always into music, um, but I don't really remember the specific time when I was like, I want to be a musician. Uh, my dad just loves music, so he would always play it, you know? Always, always. So there was music always and in the in the house. Music always in the house, and he loved rap music and R and B and funk and soul and jazz okay. and and so he would always play music for me and he would play it repetitively. Like he's the type of person that if he likes a song, he'll play it like seven times in a row. <laughs> and you respect that, you know. And every time he'll be like, "This time, we'll listen to the bass player. He's finna slap." Like, <laughs> I'm like, God right. damn it, Dad! You know, and then at the end of the song, he'd be like, "So what did the bass player do?" And I'm like, doo -doo 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 -doo. He's like, "Yeah, I told you he snapped." You know? <laughs> so like that was kind of my, I think, what really got me into music. Um, when I was really young, I was kind of, I was like, my dad likes all this type of stuff, so I'm gonna listen to like heavy metal, like. Mm -hmm. But it was really just like whatever was on the radio when I was like seven years old. So I don't even know what it was, honestly. Do you remember what metal you listened to? I don't. It was just like whatever was on the radio, I would just like turn it up super loud. I think it was mostly just to kind of get aroused out of everyone in the sure. house sure. You know, <laughs> as a young person. I remember uh, thinking that I liked metal and it turned out it was just Candlebox. And it was like the, <laughs> <laughs> it was like the shittiest like uh, not metal you could imagine. But, <laughs> but I was an R&B kid, so I was like, this is crazy loud. <laughs> Exactly, you know, it was just going for that, like, different. Yeah. What kind of rap were you listening to? So, your dad is killing it. Listening yeah, I mean, my dad, I mean, he has he had some bars for you himself. Oh, really? Mm. Um, but in terms of what he was listening to, it was all over the place from, like, West Coast, like, NWA type stuff. Because, I mean, we're talking about, like, way back, yeah. right? Yeah. To, like, De La Soul, that type of stuff. And then as time progressed, uh, like, Outkast and that type yeah. of stuff. And, um, like, The Roots and Common. My dad liked the real soulful type of stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of what he naturally put me up on, like Slum Village. Oh, I remember like bringing his CDs. He had like, you know, those big, dumb, big CD books. Oh, yeah. He had one of those. I'm talking about. <laughs> dumb might be. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. By dumb. Sorry, like sorry, dumb sorry, big. Sorry, sorry. Like dumb big. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a slang. It's a slang. Like like big dumb. Like Not like it's actually dumb. No, no. Those things are All golden All great CDs. Gems. Just no, in a very big container. I ain't container. Heard in my dad's CD book. Oh, yeah. I still have it. So yeah, not yeah. dumb by any means. But I mean like big dumb, you know. Yeah. And, Absolutely. Um, Absolute. <laughs> what you talked about we've been working we've been re rehearsing that but uh, <laughs> uh but i would bring his cds to school and like put other people on you know what i mean so i would bring like slum village to school mm. and like put other people on and like um i remember i had dead prez yeah that was my dad's free, album that first one Woo, yeah. like if anybody knows free, dead whatever. prez you're like damn your dad was playing that for you like like there's the line on one of the school or one of the songs is their schools ain't teach us shit. Like, and, and my dad was playing me yeah. for that when I was in, you know, that, I think like maybe eighth grade or something like that. So that was the type of stuff that was going into my brain. Like, yeah. and I'm going to school, like listening to that, like, man, fuck this. but I'm like, <laughs> I'm showing everyone else too though. Right. And so then everyone else is like, man, fuck this. Like, <laughs> you, you started something. Mean? And, uh, 
So yeah, it's just always kind of been around me. And my uncle, my uncle Troy, played saxophone and flute and keyboards, and he grew up playing. He was in the band called Mind and Matter. I don't know if you ever heard of that band, but it's with um, Terry Lewis. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he played with like Paul Abdul and oh, like shit. a lot of the like surrounding kind of like purple, as we call it, like purple yeah. people, which yeah, are like yeah. a lot of the musicians that kind of surround around Prince. Uh, he played with a lot of them, and um, so, so you have I've that always in your yeah, family. you know what I mean. And and I mean, if we really want to talk about like the the lineage, my grandfather had a, a roller arena called Northgate Roller Arena, and it was on Plymouth and um, Washington. Okay, mm-hmm. and it was the first. He said, "Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That's what's <laughs> up." Yeah, that was my grandfather's roller rink, and uh, he had the first rap show in the Twin Cities there. No shit. Wow. It was Curtis Blow, 1985. Whoa! Whoa. Yeah. History. Yeah. Well, I feel like you're already just dropping yeah. gems. Seriously. Right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So I, it was around you. It was around me. Yep. Yep. And then. Eventually, you become a singer in an R&B group in middle school. Yeah, you know, so... <laughs> Which is all I want to talk I, about. Yeah. I grew up in the church, you know, and so it was like singing was the thing. I was in choir and all that, and before I had hit puberty, I had a nice high voice. Yeah. And, you know, I had a nice high voice. You know what I mean? Like, when it was gone, I was crushed. <laughs> I was, I'm not going to lie, I was crushed. I feel like that's what Justin Bieber went through for, like, five years, where it's like, wait, now I just got to right. sit on these But he adjusted. Beats. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> but You're still um, working on it. Right. Uh, you know? It's a lifelong battle. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I grew up in the church just singing, and uh, so, like, me and a bunch of my buddies that we, well, I was in church choir with, we um, it all started with... Mother's Day, we decided we were going to sing Mama, Boys to Men. Amazing. Um, at the church service. And uh, one of the people who was playing, my guy Micah, his dad was the um, the director. Yeah. And so we kind of like snuck it in, right? So no one at the church knew we were doing it except for like a couple of the musicians, you know? And so we did, we like did it and everybody was like, what? It was like tears. (laughs) The whole crowd was tears. You know what I mean? And so we were like, man, we got something. How many? Four of you? There was, it was me. I think it was four of us. Yeah. Okay. Classic Three singers. Well, it was three singers and then one person on the keyboard. Okay. Oh, wow. And, um. Which part did you do? I'm trying, man. Were you the? You obviously weren't the low one. The funny thing, I did the high. I did the, even. I did the little solo part, and I messed it up too. I'm even gonna lie to you. Oh, I can't man. act like I killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I messed up my little solo part. There's actually someone in the crowd that was probably there. Uh oh. That day. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Who but, was um, Wayne? It's Wayne-ya? Was the, I think the, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was. I'm not it's hard try. to say. It's hard I'm to like, say. I was about to legit try to sing it, but I'm not. I'm not okay. Do that. We could do that in a second. That could be one of yeah, your songs yeah, that, that you do before iteration. <laughs> I ain't had. I ain't had enough juice yet to try I, that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we need a couple more so you juices. That we one need. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me, it was Coolie High Harmony. I feel like it's Boys to Men for anyone that grew up in this generation of like. I heard Coolie High Harmony and I heard the mm-hmm, and I was like, oh shit, this yeah. is it. Music is a rap. Yep. Um, but you I know. could never really sing more than those four notes. So well, and that's what, some- like, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm, I, I won't say I'm old because I'll be disrespectful to people that are, are older than me. But I would say I'm older. Yes, wiser. You know, and in my my time, like the singing boy groups was cool. Like yes. that was fly. You know what I mean? And like, 
I was in church, so we couldn't really listen to, although my dad, my dad didn't go to church. So he was like, he was bumping in Yeah, you know what I mean? And so he would stay at home and then we would go to church. But so I couldn't really listen to like, like R. Kelly, which I don't really, I don't fuck with R. Kelly anyway yeah. now. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't really listen to like the real freaky R&B music. I, and so Boys to Men was like real cool, clean. You know what I mean? So that was like that was goals all day. So, so <laughs> I similarly grew up in the church, and that was that was a tape I did get to have. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Until "I'll Make Love to You" came out on the second album, and then it was like, well, I don't know. They tried to get know. a little edgy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After marriage, I'll make then love it was to you. Too far. <laughs> After too marriage, too far. Uh, which is great. When you're married, it's it's totally cool. Yeah, you can I'm married. To all the boys men you want once you're married. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, okay, so you have a stint. You're an R&B singer. You're doing it. Yeah. So I did my thing. We had one show. It was that show. Was it at the church? Oh, it was, it was that that one song. <laughs> so yeah, one. one one yep one performance. You brought the the crowd to their knees. Then you tears. So below. I mean, technically, that was like Hall of Fame. The one performance was fly. And yeah. We, in and out. Done. You know, but it was also one of those things like we really did talk about trying to do stuff, but this was before technology was where it was, you know, so you couldn't just record songs. Right. You know, you didn't have GarageBand on your iPhone. We didn't know nobody with that type of stuff. So we would like kind of hang out and like sing songs that we wanted to sing like a couple times, but it never really went to anything. Is this in it? Are you in Atlanta? So you grew up. Mostly in Atlanta. Your so early well, I, I lived in Atlanta when I was when I was two years old until I was nine years old, and okay. then I came to Minneapolis. And oh, but I was born in Minneapolis. Okay, got it. So you did a stint in Atlanta. Yep. Came back, and the R and B group resides in Atlanta, in, in Minneapolis. 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 Yeah, yep. That was like age like thirteen, something like that. Okay. Yeah. And then where do you go? Well, so from there, I mean, I played drums. I was. Um, I was a part of this boys group called Simba. It was like a empowerment group for young black boys. And we would play djembe drums and like learn about black history and stuff like that. Um, it was it was really, really dope. Really, a really strong part of me kind of developing knowledge of self at, at a young age. And like, uh, like uh, because really ultimately, this just could be a tangent, but Oh, when there. I lived in Atlanta, it was it was black people everywhere, yeah. you know. So I didn't really think about it. And then I moved to Minneapolis, and it was not like that. So it was like a culture shock. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then going to stuff like that kind of made me be like, oh no no no, this was like what it was like in Atlanta. Like okay, this is here too. Like yeah. this is just what it is. You know what I mean? And so I started playing drums then, like djembe drum. But it was just like go there and play the drum. Sure. You know? Was this through, was this like a church or school program? It was at my church too. Okay, yeah. We lived across the street from the church. Oh man, you lived mm-hmm. at the church. Then. And my dad worked at the church, which is why he didn't go to church. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what <laughs> Straight up. I was, at, I was at church for like maybe seven days a week. Yeah. Serious. Okay. Not always like doing God, Jesus things. Sure. But, like, I would go and help my dad, like, you know, work That's and shit where like you that. Were, yeah, because yeah, he was the building engineer. So I would help him, like, wrap shit up so he could leave work early and stuff like that. And so I was always at the church. Okay. So you're <laughs> playing drums, you're singing Mama, you're just at church. Camp, like crazy. I was always at church. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I started playing drums, too. Okay. So, and is that what leads you to 
you've been one of my favorite producers for years now, but does that yeah. lead you into finding production Man, I appreciate techniques? that, by the way. I really do. I remember uh-huh. seeing, I, I, no, I'll go on a tangent, but I remember playing, I don't know if it was a show that me and Sims played at First Ave or some set, but I was up there and it was early on when I was doing, starting to play uh, Drum Machines live. And I remember coming off stage and you guys were playing too, or something, we, everyone was there. And you were like, man, we got to work together or something. And I was like, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, when you get, like compliments are always incredible, but when you get it from, uh, especially as a producer, when you get it from another producer, Word up. Yeah, it yeah. really like, it means a lot. Right, Cause right. we're also kind of like generally shy and don't like part, you know, I don't know. It's Absolutely. just like when you actually get a statement like that out of a producer that is like, that means something. Yep. So yep. anyways. Well, I mean, in, just to go off of that real fast, I think you might have been one of the first people that I've seen, if not the first person, that was like rocking it live like that. And it might have been then. And I was like, one of the reasons why I was really impressed by it, because I was like, that's like how it's done in the studio. Yeah. And they're doing it live like that. <laughs> like that's, that takes some Kind of live. Some of the tracks are still, still in there. Still, no, but, but I mean, yeah. no, nah, that's humble. That's humble. That's humble. People here have seen this man perform. Uh, yeah. Okay. Y'all know what he's doing with it. I'm doing some stuff up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, and so that inspired me. Awesome. Oh, my you know God. What look I mean? at that. Straight up. God, fucking, that's so what I'm nice talking about. Hey. So awesome. All right. Tuesday night. 100%. Uh, but, 100%. okay, so does, does that lead you into, like, oh, shit, I got to get... Um, a turntable and learn how to sample or I got to well, get a so beat machine. Well, so from there, I started playing drums in choir again. Um, but then I started, like, listening to, like, cheesy-ass punk rock music, like, Christian punk rock music. Yes. Like, <laughs> like uh, MXPX? Or- Hell yes. yeah. Hell yes. yeah, MXPX. I knew it. And I'm trying to think. Of, I can't even remember the name. Blenderhead. It, it was some joints like that. Poor old Lou. I went through a Christian Poor punk rock. <laughs> Man, ooh. we're like this kind of the same guy a little bit. Seriously? Man, <laughs> so that so that really got me to playing drums. Okay, and uh, that's the reason why I like that music because it was like drums was going crazy, yeah. and I was like, okay, this is kind of tight. And I knew other people that was into that type of music, and so we we're like, we'll start bands and stuff like that. And uh, but all the while, you know, I'm also listening to Dead Prez and yeah. listening to all this other stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it was just kind of being attracted to like the things that other people weren't attracted to. You know, I was always that type of person. So during this time, everybody's listening to Nelly. Who? You know oh, what I'm sure. saying? That's what everybody else is listening to during this time. When you know Nelly came out, it was a hard drop. It was a shot. I remember seeing the ad in the back of the source before, like, the record really impacted. Yeah. And being like, who is this guy, Nelly? Yeah. And then, like, a week later, it was just inescapable. Everything. Yeah. Everything. And don't get me wrong. I, I like Nelly to some songs. Yeah, totally. You know, just, but mostly because of nostalgia yeah. and stuff like that. But like, everybody was listening to that. Like, I'm gonna do it a little know? different. I fuck with MXPX. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, definitely flipping the script. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm mostly a tooth and nail records guy. Man, really, uh. tooth and nail, I'm telling you. <laughs> Oh boy, it's a whole another podcast. Seriously, <laughs> you guys, you guys need a like a whole episode of just like Christian we'll punk music. We'll go there and really get into it. I might have some it. those CDs too. Yeah, I, you know, it'd be a joy to sit with you and listen. To that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're going there, but Nelly. Yeah, so so during that time, you know, I was just trying to be into different things. You know, I was skateboarding at that time, and um, like 
my my mom is a teacher, educator. Her mom's an educator. Um, so education is very, very important in my family. And um, yeah, so shout out to shout the out educators. to education. Shout out know. to the educators. <laughs> straight up, straight up. And um, so my mom made sure I was in the right schools always. Like no matter where we lived, no matter what we was doing, she was like going around and finding what school she was gonna put me in. So when I was in middle school, she put me in this school called Marcy. Okay. Marcy Open School. And that changed oh, shit, my whole life. Okay. Because I was, you know, I think about things differently. Um, I'm a little more artistic with how I look at math and everything. And so going to that school and they like, some of the classes, they have desks. They have like couches. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and having conversations with the teacher rather than just like talking to you. And and um, so that really, really changed my, my whole perspective on everything. And that's when I started like skateboarding. And that's when I started just doing different shit yeah. and like like trying to do graffiti and that type of stuff. Right? So at that point, it's kind of like the, the creator thing born in. Maybe creator is not the right word, but like artistic. The, yeah, artistic. Like the. Totally. The desire to create things. Totally. That's when that started to, skateboarding. to really bubble. Yeah. You're like, I got this bug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it started to bubble, but when did you feel like it became where you were like, oh, this is it. This is it So, So what happened was right as it started to bubble, my parents moved to North Carolina. And it was like, I was in 10th grade. Hmm. I was going into, into 11th grade. And it was like the biggest hit ever. Yeah. Because you were just getting your footing with all this stuff. Yeah, you know, like starting to make friends. And I always hung out with older people. Um, I was always a grade younger. I started school when I was younger. So I always hung out with people that were older than me. So during that time, I was hanging out with like grown ass men. Like, you know, they're like, <laughs> I don't know why they're hanging out with a 10th grader. But, you know, so I like I had friends and like yeah. people that I was cool with. And, um, and then I left. Yeah. And going to North Carolina, it was like the country. It was I moved to Charlotte, and it was nothing. It was like corn, or no, it was tobacco. Tobacco, yeah, everywhere. And uh, so I hated it. And that's when I kind of turned more into my friends that were here, and kind of like this was during the time of instant messenger. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, so you're reaching like, out. I'm reaching out like crazy, you know. Yeah. And uh, during this time, like. Which was, was, I feel like I came up in a special time because this was during the time of like LimeWire and all that stuff, yeah. right? Yes. And so everyone is like sharing stuff with each other, but the stuff that they're sharing is like very specific. And so my friends are sharing stuff with me and vice versa. And they're like, oh, you like MF Doom? Oh, you like, you know, this weird shit? Yeah. Like, you like uh, Quasimodo? Like, oh, okay, you're going to like my homeboy Abdul. You're going to like my homeboy Jason. You guys should just become AOL friends, <laughs> right? You're like, cool. Yeah, you know, Tight. I'm like, yeah. anybody that's not in fucking North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So to, to bring you up to date on the music, they're listening to Dim Franchise Boys at this point. Yes. I fucked you know with Dim Franchise mean? Boys. Tall tees. I'm in North Carolina. It's tall tees like from the, the windows 5X, to the wall. J, yeah. uh, little John. It was yeah, terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Now I like that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, because of nostalgia. At the but time, though, you were like, at the time, Quasimodo. I was like, Quasimodo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way different. That right? was a wild time for... Jaka, we're older than you. But yeah, yeah, no, the, I'm, uh, everything's going sorry. over my head. This, always this is like 2000s, early 2000s. We have to like turn and be like, sorry, Jaka, this is <laughs> this to be fucking boring. But 
I remember, yeah, like if you had an internet connection, all of a sudden you had access to an insane amount of music, some that wasn't even released officially. Yeah. Like I remember hearing diss songs like that, like the LP, the Linda Tripp diss song, and things like that, where I was like, what the fuck is this? And that's also yeah. such a huge reason, I think, how independent rap got the platform that it did after that time is so well, much and, and was, that's what idea was, was when i moved to north carolina my parents wanted to compromise they were like we're gonna get cable and we're gonna get the internet i never had it before but i didn't need it i was a city kid yeah. you know what i mean but so we got cable we got the internet and that i learned about atmosphere when i lived yeah. in north carolina yeah and so i'm like they're from minneapolis so i'm walking around like yeah like minneapolis got some shit you know what i mean yeah. and um so then those friends that I was getting introduced to, those are the people that they were getting into music here. And they were making music. And my guy, Abdul, rest in peace, his mentor directly was I Self Divine. Yes. And that was like under the wing mentor. Like he brought him everywhere with him. And, you know, so Abdul is like telling me like, yo, man, my guy is out here. Woo woo. Like, and so I'm back in North Carolina like, man, fuck I'm trying to get back. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so two days after I graduated high school, I moved back here at 17. Wow. Man. And, uh, You've yeah. been here ever since. And I've been here ever since for the most part. I was gone for like a summer here and there. That doesn't but count. Yeah. No. I've been here we'll ever skip since. over that. Yeah. 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 You're here. <laughs> Post it up. Yo, yo. Uh, and side note, I self-defined to me as like one of the the godfathers of Minnesota rap and just like hundred percent rap you know? graffiti, um, like community, yes. uh, 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 what's the word? Organizing. Yeah. Sorry. All activist yeah. organizer, mm -hmm. like father of the scene, a father yeah. period. Yeah. Like he is one of Straight my all time. Up. Well, and that seems to be G. like now with what you do with Astro Black, it seems like you guys really surround yourselves with community. When we interviewed Lady Midnight, she really, said that like you know you guys have always been behind her and so is that something that you feel like you picked up from people like i self divine to like create community with music 100 percent, 100 percent. um i think it was also a thing of when we came up it was like battle time yeah. battle central it was like i don't like you i'm not friends with you like no one like nobody right straight up <laughs> true straight up right it was true. like so yeah. it was like it was very different and it was kind of a little bit hostile a little bit and we ain't like that. Like we're always like, dude, if you're cool, we're cool, we kick it, we can kick it. You know what I mean? And so from being mentored from Shaka, myself, and um from also those personal experiences, it made us be like, we gotta create. And I feel like that also maybe was like kind of why y'all crewed up, right? Was that was, was like, we gotta crew too. up because yep. otherwise we just gonna be out here by ourselves and yeah. it's tight out here. So we gotta crew up, yep. you know? So we yeah. crewed up and also it was like a lot cooler if you had 10 people on stage that could also invite five people of their friends. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, we got 50 people Straight in the house. Up. <laughs> Amazing. But Straight yes, up. no, it, it was that. Like, yeah, let's fucking, let's band together and, yep, yep. Um, and try to create something that one one person isn't going to be able to do. Exactly. Um, and I'm still, like, so in love with just crew mentality. Like, Straight up. All, you know, my whole, whatever it is. Like, right now it's Brockhampton, whoever. I remember when Odd Future popped off. Like, I'm always just so, like, fuck, yeah, crews. Yeah, straight up. No, when uh, I, I teach up at Islam Academy. Yeah. Shout out to them. And um, I tell the young people that, because I have some older um students and some younger students and the students that I have that are still in school I tell them like 
you need to get a crew right now. Because if you have a crew, there's so many people around you. You have yeah. such a huge network of people. Like you're around a couple thousand people every week, right? Yeah. I go to work, I'm around the same five people every day. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? You're like start early. <laughs> so I tell them that, like crew up. It's, I mean, it's natural. Yeah. You know? So when you moved back, did you, is that when you were like, all right, fuck it. Did you start making beats? Did you start rapping? Yeah, so when I was in North Carolina, also I kind of, I didn't really include this in the story, but through this whole thing, my cousin Taylor um, was making beats. He played piano, like, you know, I would like go out, be hanging out with him, and he'd have to go to like piano classes, and I would like sit and watch him do piano classes. And like I wasn't doing it, and I wanted to, but I would just watch him. You know what I mean? And That's so like, th- through this whole thing, he was making music. Okay. And uh, he had like a tape recorder, um, or like a multi-track tape. Yeah, like a four-track tape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, a like one of those old drum machines, and then his keyboard, and he would make beats on it. And this was like in maybe like sixth grade, I want to say something like that. And I remember he was the first person I ever seen made a beat. Even like my uncle Troy, the musician, he yeah. had a studio. He, I never seen him in there. He would let us go in there, but we we never was in there together. Right, you didn't you watch it I mean? go down. Nah, and so I seen Taylor make a beat, and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And um, so when I moved to North Carolina, they his family also moved to North Carolina. Okay. like maybe a couple months after we moved to North Carolina, and so we crewed up like crazy because we were already crewed up, and we we're the only people we knew. And during this time, he's making beats. Okay. And so really it was just me trying to like just hang with him. And um he was fire at the beats at this point. Like we moved to North Carolina in 11th grade by senior year he was class or student body president. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason was it why because of the beats? was because of the it beats. It was because of the beats. Wow. It was because of the beats. Dang. Yeah. We're talking okay. about 2002, 2003. How many people do you know make beats at 2002, 2003? Yeah, like less than nobody. I do now. <laughs> now everybody makes beats, yeah, yeah. right? And they were fire. They were like Timberland type beats. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And he would play them at like the school like basketball game. Well, and this is and the, like around the time of Petey Pablo too. I'm assuming. Yes. So it's a really it's all coming together. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> that song I did like I came. That song's great. I well, came from, I came back to Minnesota singing that song. Yeah, you know no, that's I mean? a, everyone likes that song. Yeah, I can't that's like, on, uh, I can't that's like Mr. Brightside by the Killers. Guys. <laughs> everyone likes that. They just like it. Straight up. <laughs> but um so yeah, so you know, I'm like a, I'm uh AM AIM, I think is what it's called, Instant Messenger and yeah. Yeah. um Making Beats with Taylor. And then we're also on a website, a message board called futureproducers.com. And uh we were battling on there i'm telling you during this time it was battle everything it was battle everything so my battle my uh online name was true hip-hop wow Uh, (laughs) t-r-u No, 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 no. It was spelled correctly. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the T-R-U is probably taken. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was like No Limit Records, which is the down south stuff. I wasn't feeling that. Oh, sure. Yeah, Sims would actually be able to talk to you about True for quite some time. (laughs) Uh, No, I I did like No Limit, though, because my guy who's in the crowd, his big brother, loved No Limit and made me like it. So, anyway... um, so during that time, I was online beat battling, and uh, that's when I really started to get into producing. And uh, my guys here were like, yo, we're starting this rap group called The Usual Suspects. 
And um, so I was like, okay, as soon as I graduate, I'm about this joint, and I'm up there. I'm out there. You know what I mean? And um, like I was saying, you know, I was always hanging out with older people, and so my friends that were here were also hanging out with older people, and yeah. you know, like I self divine, and um, so yeah, I came here a couple of days later, and you know, that's kind of all she wrote. Like I was at that point, I was a producer in my mind, and um, I had already been playing the drums for a few years and um yeah that was kind of just off to the races so there was no like hesitation or fear or anything you were just like fuck it i got my people now mm -hmm. i have i know how to make this shit Let's exactly go. and, and God, that, that summer too my dad that. drove up all my stuff brought my drum set and so um me and my guy elliot who's an astro black we started a band playing funk music awesome. um and yeah i was just i was musicked out man i was everything it know. seems like it hasn't really changed since then for you no i mean <laughs> i mean i don't really, know when we cross paths but it just always like even from usual suspects was when i was first yeah. like introduced to you probably yeah but then it was like okay i remember when you dropped that first grade grease album and it was like oh fuck yeah. like i think we had played you were playing on the entry and we were playing in the main there's something yep, going yep, on i remember that yep, but yep. I remember it was your release show it was Dang, during one of the memory i know it was during one Ooh. of the blowouts yep and yep. i remember coming out uh another side door and, like, and like we ran out we ran into you after the show and you and mike had been making some music together yep, yep. and you were like you handed me you're like yo man like here's my new cd like this is yep. when cds were still fucking awesome right <laughs> uh, and it was like oh amazing and it had the artwork like the whole shit um and that was like oh okay greg is not just part of a crew or part of this community like he's really stepping out there and you had produced a lot of the beats on your own or co-produced them yep, yep. and multiple projects like that continued to come out i mean yeah. that was when i really started to dial in on like oh shit this guy and not to mention greg is also like a cobbler yeah i mean i do a lot of different <laughs> sewing stuff cobbler bag maker uh sewing with leather and shoes yeah. and whatever he's like a, a yeah. i'd say creator and that feels weird like creationism but you're yeah you make shit yeah yeah you oh. make quality shit uh, thank you the solo stuff led to what i feel like is my favorite band from minneapolis mm -hmm. ever that's what's up. Astro Black. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And then you have one record out, and I just ride so fucking yeah. hard for you guys and that entire record, the the Seeds album by Astro Black, A-S-T-R-A-L-B-L-A-K, yep. lowercase, formerly Zulu Zulu. Yep. Like, phenomenal. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate incredible. that. So just a heads up to listen to that if you haven't. But talk about that, because that is, like, to me... And I just geek out now, so let me geek out for a second. But like, <laughs> to me, that record is like the culmination of seeing a lot of these different people go solo paths, form together later with experience in this music shit and in life shit, and form something that's like absolutely, completely different than I would expect from any of them individually. And that's just the thing that like that type of magic never gets old for me. That's what's up. So good job. <laughs> Thank like, you, man. I appreciate you go that. And shouts to the whole crew. That's love. Uh, I appreciate that. But for real. talk about what that was like, because just a little, if you haven't heard Astro Black, it's like, it's not just like a rap crew. It's not just a funk crew. It's not an R&B crew or a house music crew, but it somehow in like the 17 tracks on that album embodies all of those genres totally. in a way that doesn't feel like, well, we put out our song for the ladies and then we have our song for the, you know, it's not totally. like, it's just everything and it's so tight <laughs> Thanks, so talk man. about how tight it is <laughs> <laughs> your turn go ahead 
Um, so really how that whole thing kind of started was, again, I'm all about the crews. I really feel like it's power in numbers. I feel like when you have people behind you, you can lean on somebody when it's, you know, we all make each other stronger type thing. Um, I'm never the type of person that likes to make something all about me. Um, and so how my solo thing kind of started was I was in a group and I just started making so much stuff that everyone else couldn't really keep up, not in like a bad way, but just they weren't recording as much stuff as I was making. I just, I was in this just crazy creative phase where I was like really kind of learning how to make stuff. And so it was just like, I'm gonna go crazy. So I was just going crazy and just making, making, making. And I ended up with just so many songs that were like just me on it. And I was like, and my guy Abdul always would say like, man, you should just rap, like just do you, like just. Sure. You're fresh, bro. Like, Just go at it. Yeah, which is what Greg Grease came from because he was duly devious. I was Greasy Greg. Amazing. And, um, yeah, so it kind of evolved from that to uh, Greg Grease. But, so, yeah, I just had all these songs, and I decided to do my solo thing. And I was blessed, and I was lucky that and I'd say both of those things because I was blessed due to my ancestors. They laid the way for me made me fortunate to be able to do what I could do. But I was also lucky because it's always about timing. Yeah, amen. And so, you know, people like my music. It got some spotlight, and I was able to start making a little bit of a career out of it, like a half a career, right? And I'm the type of person, again, cruise. So if you give me a 1000 bucks, I'm not like, damn, I made a thousand bucks. I'm like, I get all my friends 200 bucks each. Mm-hmm. That's why we're saying? not the same person now. That's <laughs> why, I knew. That's where, that's where it separated. That's where, that's a hard line in the sand. That's a, it's only a thousand bucks, man. You got to kind of, you need a foundation. I know, man, I'm getting it together now. I got kids. That thousand is mine. Yeah, you got a kid now. You got to think about that thousand bucks. But no, that's, that's beautiful. But, Continue you know, on that. And, and I mean, that thousand has changed. But during that time, you know, as I started to kind of get these gigs where people are like giving me a thousand bucks, I never yeah. got paid a thousand dollars to do a show or something like that. You know, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, shit, I can have my guy here and here and here. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how it came together. And I'm, I'm just always a person that likes to dream. And so I always had names for bands. I got, I got like 20 imaginary bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe you just share that Google Doc with me. I got I'm always looking for a good new band name. I got some some heat. <laughs> I got some heat. I'll give you one only. Oh, is this it, a freebie? Freebie. No, 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 because it might be my next band. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I'll just give it to you. Black in the Milds. Ooh. And so do you, oh. do, you, do you just have the names for them, or do you have like an imaginary lineup of people? All that. All so of it. For, wow, okay. So for Black in the Milds, I'm not going to tell you who's in the band, but I wear a white suit. Right, <laughs> and in the milds, black they wear in the black milds. suits. Yeah, wow. of course they do. So you can yeah. fire, right? Black and the milds. I got a happen. bunch of those. I got I'm gonna have to draft up the paperwork uh, <laughs> for the second set. We're gonna you sign black I mean? in the milds tonight. All right. Well, we should probably get. Oh to God, some we gotta music. get. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, we gotta get some music. Sorry, I talked to you about Tooth and Nail Records for like seven, <laughs> seven more hours. Um, but but I just want to say thank you for. All those projects you have put out, um, you know, when you weren't necessarily thinking about all the strategic shit, and now for I can't wait. 
it's going to be more exciting for me because I'm, I'm sure it'll take a little bit longer, but it'll be more worth it. And I'm yeah. really fucking beyond amped to hear new Astro Black music. It's crazy. I know it is. It's crazy. People I know, I know it is. Too, they're going to be like, dropped, what Was it hell? Player's Anthem that you dropped earlier? Or what was it called? Funkster's Prayer. Funkster's Prayer. Yeah. Player's Anthem. That's my it's Pretty remix. much the same thing, though. Funkster's Prayer, Player's Anthem. Pretty much the same. Uh, uh, that song is a fucking heater. Thank and you. And I can't wait to hear the rest of the shit. And okay, so you're going to perform. So Greg is going to basically, we're winging it still. This is the second live podcast taping. Mm-hmm. Greg's going to do a couple songs, Yeah, come back, and we've got Megan and Kristen from uh, the Domestic Abuse Project here, and we're going to learn all about what they do for the community, um, and then Greg is going to play a couple more songs, and then yeah, we're, we're going to go home. Out. Yeah. It's going to be great. Right so, up. ladies and gentlemen, Greg Grease. Woo! Thank y'all. I'm like, can I rap, can I rap like this? No. <laughs> so, um... I don't rap with everything in my pockets. So this is what we're going to do. Check it out. It's a rap show, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Can y'all stand up, though? What's up? Can, can we get a little uh, energy? Yeah. Yeah. This song is called Migraine. It's another song about me like not liking my job. <laughs> We smoke heavy in Chevys, the beast is playing out the stereo. <laughs> the cypher drama surround us is going round us like a merry-goat. If they bring in problems, tell them who's sideways. Miss me with the bluff, I'm on a new tirade. If you're faking funk, you can hit the highway. Your lies bring disgust. Bringing me a mic. They trying to drag you through the mud, drown you in the flood. They trying to kick you like a rug, trying to take your plug. Only pretending like you bud so they can't come up. Claiming to give you a hand up, only to leave you slump. It's tomfoolery, trying to take your mom's jewelry. Sneak your funeral, looking for the opportunity. Changing more than kids in puberty. Test the wrong one, come up acting like it's truancy. Sketchy maneuvering out for self, not the community. The proof is input in, I gotta recruit for the mutant. Tired of the scrutiny, treated so ruthless and brutally. We all new dimensions, astral divisions so fruitfully. Not blessed with immunity, see me, I'm here for gratuity. Not waiting, presumably, won't ask for permission, truthfully. You riding away, then riding away in the hoopty. Cause lies never pay, just leave you in shame, looking goofy. If they bring in problems, tell them who's sideways. Miss me with the bluff, I'm on a new tirade. If you're faking funk, you can hit the highway. Your life bring disgust, giving me a migraine. Giving me a migraine. It's 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 making me go insane, insane to the brain. And I'm just trying to end the pain. Cause I don't wanna feel the same. Migraine is giving me a migraine. It's making me go insane, insane to the brain. And I'm just trying to hit the pain. Cause I don't wanna. 
I gotta keep it pushing till I'm cruising in Aruba. Fickle, fake, and phony, it get ugly as Medusa. Petty for the money, trying to blow up like Bazooka. Getting to the moolah quick like Pumas, cause we crewed up. Gotta keep the blindness from distractions that consume us. Cooking up the music for the movement while you booed up. Only got three options, that's rapping, hooping, or moving dust. Never been the truth, that's just the only thing they make cool for us. Might be penny pinching, but wealth and wisdom is cool to me. Building with the elders and gaining culture, that's school to me. Learning about the errors and motivations, that's jewels to me. How we treat our people who paved the way is so cruel to me. For the property, we're playing games, this ain't Monopoly. No camaraderie, quick to sell your soul for robbery. Hope for lottery, with no real path out to poverty. It's all a mockery, quick debauchery. For if they bring in problems, tell them move sideways. Miss me with the bluff, I'm on a if you're faking funk, you can hit the highway. Giving me a migraine, giving me a migraine. It's 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 making me go insane. And I'm just trying to end the pain. Cause I don't want to feel the same. It's giving me a migraine, it's making me go insane And I'm just trying to end the pain, cause I don't want to feel the same Hey guys, editing Jacob coming at you from under a blanket just to tell you that we forgot to give you the website, and that is domesticabuseproject.org. If you head over there, you can donate. That is one of the most critical ways that you can help support what Megan and Kristen and many others are doing. You can also call 612-874-7063, extension 232, to get some resources, support, and get connected with everybody. Without any further ado, let's jump back into the podcast. Huge shouts to Greg for not only yes. being an incredible interview guest, but rocking some like old-ass songs. That work song is not new, and that is so tight to me that he played that. So, And he's going to be playing a couple more um, after this next segment. Yes. Um, but we are really excited. Like the, the cool thing about getting to try out this live podcast taping is that usually the regular episode is just one guest. Um, now we got a little more time, and I feel like we get the opportunity to highlight um, people in the community that are either out here doing, you know, the, some really incredible work, or that are tuned into the wellness, mental health stuff. But we just kind of are allowed that time to learn from yeah. other people, and that makes me feel good. Yeah, it feels like we're doing something good for the people here, and then the people listening, which and, is awesome. And yeah. then we get to talk to cool people who yes. know a lot about what they know a lot about. That's exactly <laughs> right. I couldn't have said it any better. That so is succinct, so, man. So, wow. Um, this is why I'm a journalist. <laughs> this is it. Wow. That's a true statement, Jacob. <laughs> um, but tonight, 
Um, we are joined by Kristen Crabtree and Megan Ray from the Domestic Abuse Project. And they are um, going to come up here, talk about what they do, what the Domestic Abuse, abuse Project is, um, how we can all be paying more attention to the work they're doing in the community mm -hmm. and get involved. And so uh, without further ado, I'd love to welcome Kristen Crabtree and Megan Ray to the stage. Woo. Give a big, sh big round of applause. <laughs> Okay, a big what? shout, a big a shout. A big shout out. <laughs> Woo! Everyone give a big shout. Everybody shout. <laughs> Megan, Kristen. Hi. How are we doing? Hello. Good. Well. Thank you How for you? having us. Did Thank you guys, guys get coming. your straws yet? We did not no. get the straw situation. You can, oh there's, there's one oh, okay, you should okay, fight okay. over. There are, all right, all right. There are some straws at the bar as well. I intend to find one. Nobody leave, leave without a free straw. It's very cool. Um, thanks for being here. Thank yeah. you for having us. us. Pleasure. Of course. <laughs> um, we are very excited to have you. And I think first off, like, um, I don't know if you guys just want to talk a little bit about what the Domestic Abuse Project is and kind of the work that you've been doing. Do you want to sure. it? Yeah. Sure. So the Domestic Abuse Project is a nonprofit agency and we provide services for the whole family. So we have a very holistic approach. Uh, a lot of agencies only work with victim survivors. We work with the whole family. So part of us having a holistic mission is really thinking on the fact that when abuse happens in the home, there are a lot of players involved, including those that use abusive behaviors. So we provide services for everyone really addressing all members of the family, um, including kiddos, which is really important because we know that we, well, we lean on the fact that abuse is a learned behavior, and oftentimes the folks that use abusive behaviors have witnessed or lived with that as children. So one of a large part of our agency is also addressing the kiddos that maybe have been in that home that the abuse has occurred, and how do we really look at how that impacts how they look at relationships and how they navigate what conflict might look like if they don't have the skill set to potentially use an alternative method. Mm -hmm. um, we've been around for about 40 years. We're yeah. celebrating our 40th year. 40th anniversary. Oh my God. Yeah. 40 so years excited. deep in the game. Yeah. And that's that 40 years here in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Like Yes, the Domestic Abuse Project is one of the oldest domestic abuse organizations in the country. Okay. So really wow. groundbreaking, radical work. When it was first started in 1979, it was a really big deal. Wow. It's yep. incredible. And when did you guys um, get involved? I know you came around at separate times. We did. You've actually been engaged with the agency a little bit longer. I'm this next month. I'll be with the Domestic Abuse Project for a year. Hey. So yeah. Okay. Did you get a watch? I should, should get a watch. <laughs> you should get a watch. We'll go shopping. I didn't know that was a thing. First I'm getting a straw. Now you get I'm, a straw, you get a watch. I'm excited about watches. Um, I've been working in relationship violence for about 10 years, about a year with DAP, and really excited about uh, what the mission aligns with and the work that we're doing. And you've been... You've done From, different work. You've been on the board. Yeah, I've been involved with DAP for a long time. I actually first came to DAP... Um, gosh, about almost 15 years ago as a client. Um, I had been in a relationship that was abusive when I was in my early, early 20s. And I came to DAP when I think I was about 25. And um, since that time, I've stayed involved 
after working there as a, or being there as a client, I stayed involved as a volunteer. And then I've been on the board now for a little bit over a year. So I serve in many facets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Still volunteer. And yeah. a volunteer. I know. She's still on the ground floor. I was going right. to say, you, you, you got your hand in all of it. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of all of a it. A little bit of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. oh, go ahead. Please. Please. <laughs> Please. Um, so, for, so for sort of educational purposes, um, what what can people go to DAP for? Like, if if you, if I say I think I know somebody who might be in an abusive relationship, is that something that I can come to DAP for, or is that sort of more so you want the person to go? Well, so I will. So at DAP, we like Megan was saying, we work with the whole family or individuals that are either coping with abuse, whether they're a victim survivor or somebody that uses abuse, or child witnesses as well. Um, However, on our website, there is information for people who are concerned about a friend or a family member who may be experiencing abuse. Um, And there are some really good resources on there. And what I can say is that if you do know somebody who is coping with that, one of the most important things is that uh, the victim survivor feels empowered. Oftentimes, when we're in a relationship where abuse is involved, we don't feel like we have a choice. Um, A lot of times, you know, Megan spoke a little bit to this, that uh, one of the most important programs that we offer is our programming for children. Um, We know that most of the people who use abuse witnessed abuse as a child. You don't become somebody who uses abuse in a vacuum. Um, What we also know is that oftentimes for an adult who is experiencing abuse, we may have witnessed it as a child. For me personally, I grew up in a family where abuse was used. Um, I experienced abuse as a child all the way growing up, and I didn't necessarily know anything different. Um, So for me, as a young woman, I had really, you know, when you think about um, the best way I can, like, create an analogy about this is to think about, like, smog. Um, If you grow up in a, a city that's heavily polluted, you're breathing smog every day, and you're used to it, and it's normal. And until you've experienced an environment where there is clean air and fresh air, you don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. So for me, growing up, that was normal. I always thought of myself as a really bright, smart, empowered woman. However, I was used to, and my brain kind of even grew to rationalize this behavior as normal, because when you're a little kid, you identify with your parents as your safe people. Those are your humans. And they kind of are an extension of you as a child developmentally. So you have to, in order to survive in that kind of a coercive environment, be able to make sense of it in some way. And so your ideas, or for me, my ideas about what love meant, what my role was in a family unit, was was skewed by that experience. So I didn't, as a young adult, have the tools that one needs to have a functional, healthy relationship. The tools I had were my survival skills as a little kid which could be you know, getting really good grades and being really well behaved so that people don't notice me, sure. people pleasing, that kind of thing, um, flying below the radar, making sure everybody around me is happy all the time, taking care of people so that they need me. So if you have a friend who's dealing with these kind of things, that's some oftentimes really heavy stuff. Number one, I would say, is empowering people, reminding your friend that they have a choice. Um, I have many friends and acquaintances who have dealt with abuse in their relationships. The more involved I've gotten in this work, the more that I hear from people that they're coping with that kind of thing. I get messages all the time on Twitter and Facebook from people in our local community saying that they're dealing with this or they have a friend who's dealing with this. 
So reminding people they have a choice. Um, I have a friend who was in an abusive relationship and she was really struggling. And so I would say, I hear you, I believe you, and I care about you, and you are so strong. And if, when you are ready, if you feel you need to leave, I will be right here to help you through that process. And the second piece is having a safety plan. So um, oftentimes, you know, people don't necessarily want to leave their loved one or their family, but they want the abuse to stop. And so it's very important when we're talking with victim survivors that we, number one, remember that I'm um, saying things like, well, why don't you just leave? You know, how did you get in this situation? You know, you seem so smart and so strong. How'd you get there? It's those kind of words, oftentimes, though well-intentioned, feel like you are blaming the person who's experiencing the abuse. If it was any other crime, we would never say, well, Aaron, why did you leave your laptop in your car? It's your right. fault that you got robbed. We wouldn't right. do that, right? Yeah. So thinking about that when we're speaking with people is really important, remembering how we're framing things and then giving people tools so that they know that there are other choices out there for them, other resources. And so that's kind of, Megan, where your work comes in with the advocacy part of it is connecting people with the resources that they need to move forward. Yeah, so, and I will say in this space, and anybody that was is listening to this after, like, you are welcome to call and talk to me about your loved ones. We not only recognize that we want to support the people that are experiencing it, but there's something called a secondary victim and a secondary survivor. And that's the person that is loving the person that is going through it. We don't talk about, you know, you don't learn in school, how do you navigate these situations? How do you navigate the legal system when you're in it? You're in it and then you're like, figure it out, yeah. right? That's very confusing. Yeah. So I am the supervisor of the advocacy program and I really see advocacy as connecting people to where they need to go and explaining what is happening. And if you think about someone that is going through a trauma or just went through it or maybe went through it 25 years ago and is now willing to sit in it, and willing might not be the right word, but ready mm. to sit in it, um, that is a very confusing moment that we don't really teach how you do that. So my main role, I believe, is helping you know what your options are so that you can make the one that's best for you. I don't make those choices for you, but if that's what you want, I'm gonna find that person for you. If this feels good for you, then let's figure out the easy way to do that. Um, we have a lot of people that call that they have a family member in an abusive relationship and they're asking those questions. I don't know how to get them to leave. Well, that conversation is, how are we meeting them where they're at? Maybe it's not safe for them to leave right now. Maybe they're not ready to leave right now. So how do we get you to feel like you are an important part and supportive person to them and meeting people with where they're at? And that hotline is 24 hours that people are able to call? Or is so, that a separate... So the, we have a 24-hour hotline that's part of what we do. So I'll give you a little bit of breakdown just yes. so that people mm -hmm. are aware of DAP. So we have a therapy program. We have a program for folks that identify as victim survivors or those that have experienced abuse. We have programs for folks that utilize abusive behaviors. We also have a specific program for those that have served or are currently serving in the military. And we have our therapy program for kiddos. So that's our therapy pillar. We also have a case management pillar. So I'm kind of going backwards here. Um, our case management would be 
okay, I'm not necessarily in a crisis, but I need to know how to stabilize all of my things. If you think about what you need to survive and what you need to go about your livelihood, it's housing, it's income, it's transportation, it's all of those things that we don't necessarily think about, but you do, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you leave yeah. your house, you know, you're like, okay, I got my keys, I got my phone, I got my transportation, I got all these things. So the way I like to think about case management is, how are we setting up those pillars so that you don't have to worry about a crisis happening and you can start working on the deeper healing? So we have the therapy, we have the case management, and then we have the advocacy, which is the program that I work in. The advocacy is very much like crisis. We help support people through the court system. We attend court. We talk you through that process. We'll sit with you through it. We'll answer all your questions. It's a confidential space. We can assist with writing orders of protection. We can assist with lease navigation, lock changes, all of those things. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what this next step is. And we really will sit down and lay out what your safety plan looks like for what is right for you, whether that is fleeing an abusive relationship or for some folks it's, you know what, I don't want to leave my relationship. That's not the safest method for me. So that conversation might look like, okay, so what's safe in your home, mm. right? Do you have a safe space in your home? Can you go for a walk? Do you have a close friend? Who have you told about this? Who can I help you connect with? Um, I think I answered your yeah. question. Yeah, no, that's so great. That, <laughs> I always that's then awesome. go on a it. really passionate yeah. tangent, and then I'm like, wait, what What were you asking? Oh, yeah, so, so it's, um, it's very multifaceted. There's yeah, a lot of parts to it. Yeah, it's very multifaceted, and it's really interesting because we, we have folks that we work with, maybe just it's a one-time thing. It might be a call that I get, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to connect you with shelter resources, and I might never hear from that person again. We also have folks that come in through a crisis, they end up connecting with case management, they end up going through the therapy program, and you do really get to watch that progression go. Mm -hmm. Now, in regards to the program you were talking about, part of our advocacy program hosts what we uh, call a 24-hour hotline. It's not a crisis line, but it is a line that is directly connected to the Minneapolis Police Department. So anytime an officer is called out at any time of the day to a call, that's under the category of domestic violence, whether there's an arrest made, whether there's not, whatever that looks like, the officer actually calls the hotline and relays the details of the report, and we are heavily staffed by actual volunteers. Mm. We have about 20 volunteers that help run that line so that it never shuts down, and what happens after they get that report information is they do immediate outreach to the victim. Mm. So at 2 a.m., they're getting a call, and I always tell my volunteers, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. You're literally calling someone and an officer just left their home. You're making sure they're okay and you're getting them from 2 a.m. to 9 a.m. So what does that look like to help transition that? So we really try to be that support throughout the whole process. Yeah. Wow. And you still man those phones sometimes, and right, Kristen? And you take those calls, <laughs> yeah. I do, I do. Um, so at this point, I served at primarily as I chair the development committee on our board of directors. So a lot of the work I do is around fundraising and community outreach, but I'm a survivor myself. And also I really feel that it's important to be involved in the ground floor and with the people day to day. And so for me, 
It's important. It's just part of who I am as a person. Um, I really think it's important that I know the staff that work at DAP, that I know the people that are coming in the doors, that I'm in connection with the people that we serve. It's kind of um, just something that I that I really believe in. And so um, I do volunteer at the hotline, which I really love doing. And part of and part of that for me personally is because I've been in those shoes, you know, and so I know what that feels like to be so afraid and not really sure what's going on. Um, when you're in that moment when it's kind of like ground zero of of the trauma that's happening, um, it is a really confusing space to be in, and I can remember what that felt like to me, and it's important to me to be the person that I needed in those moments, and so that is why I do the work that I do in yeah. that way. Yeah. Awesome. So great. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So how can people who are listening or who are here right now, how can we support DAP? Well, there's, I mean, there's a plenty of ways. So uh, <laughs> first of all, we have the 24-hour hotline that Megan just spoke about. That's a wonderful volunteer opportunity that we do have. Um, beyond that, it's, like we said, it's our 40-year anniversary, and we have a big event coming up. Um, we're having a gala in October, on October 24th, and actually, there's an after party that's sponsored by Doomtree. Hey, oh, synergy, yep. circle yeah. of life. Yes, and uh, Ander and Roisin will be DJing there, so it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really excited about this event. It's going to be very cool. Um, the food is being brought by Appetite for Change, which is a breaking bread, which I don't know if you guys are familiar, but they're a place over on the north side. Yeah, I'm super pumped yeah. about it. So it really reflects, I think, the values of our organization. You know, um, So that's something that people can come to if they want to. There are flyers out on the bar, or you can. Uh, we have an event on Facebook. We also have a website, so you can find out more information. Um, I think that those are two big ones right off the top of my head. Something that's a little less, um, that's a little less material that, that, just to give you an idea, is thinking about the ways that we show up in our community and the ways that we support the people around us. Um, there's a lot of talk right now, I think, you know, when we're talking on social media and things like that about Me Too and things like that. Um, standing with survivors and what does that look like? You know, standing with survivors is partly about believing people. When people say something happened to me, giving them space to say what they need to say and giving them the space to be able to express what they feel. You know, Megan does a really beautiful job of talking about meeting people about where, where they're at. And I think that's so critically important is being able to hear what people need. Um, also remembering, um, Oftentimes, people who experience abuse, they're experiencing it at the hands of someone that they do love. You know, I'm wearing a shirt that says one in three, which is the statistic of how many women experience abuse in the United States. That's a huge number. Um, and the, honestly, you know, and that's just talking women. And that's yeah. not including, like, when we're talking about folks that are non-binary, we're talking about people that identify as men and so forth. Like, this is not a private family issue, which is often how we like to treat it in our culture, this is a public health issue. And so holding space for that and thinking about the way that we contribute to the culture around us. Um, oftentimes, people will talk about something called rape culture. And you know, at the top of that pyramid is actual assault. But there are many things as you 
kind of think about what that means, that we normalize in our culture um, the way that we think about um, gender roles in our society and so forth does contribute to this epidemic. And so when we're talking about domestic violence, I think it's really important that we think about things that we can do to help address the way we show up in our communities. Um, for me, what that means is, you know, I have two kids. Um, for me, what that means is teaching my children about respecting people. It's teaching my children about how we show up and engage in conflict. It's um, basic you know, social skills and emotional intelligence. So helping our kids to identify ways that they can speak their truth in a way that is kind and leading with kindness, but still standing in truth. Um, I don't know if you have anything you wanna add. Yeah, uh, I, so we've got volunteer opportunities. We have the hotline. We also have volunteer opportunities in our main office. So we do have an open line that's open from nine to five that we also okay. get volunteers that come in and field those questions, know about our agency. But for a lot of folks that maybe work a nine to five or they're like, oh my gosh, I don't wanna be waking up at 2 a.m. talking to police <laughs> officers. That's real, I validate all of that. I get email inquiries from people all the time. I have a yoga instructor that, that comes in and does yoga for, not me personally, I don't have her, but she volunteers, she's amazing. <laughs> That'd be incredible <laughs> right? if you had a like, personal yoga instructor. I my own yoga instructor. <laughs> That'd be really I'm not, cool. I'm not that big of a deal, but <laughs> I was contacted by someone that does yoga and said, you know what, I have a skill and I really want it to mean something. And so she comes in and does trauma-informed yoga. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. everybody has a skill set, I get inquiries all the time. You know, it'd be amazing if I had someone that's like, I've got a snowblower. <laughs> yup, come to Northeast. Does like, anyone have a snowblower? Yeah. <laughs> number one way you could help. Uh, number one way. <laughs> Winter's a coming. Yeah. Um, but if there, if you have something that you're like, you know what, I don't know if I, if I want to be listening to that sort of thing, but I could maybe utilize this skill set, or I could maybe stuff envelopes, or I could maybe come in and help watch children. So yeah. another big area is that we offer free childcare for everybody coming into therapy. Childcare can be a barrier, especially when finances can be used as a power and control. So oftentimes we have kiddos coming in that we don't have the staff to watch them. So if you want to be a part of DAP, I will get creative with you, <laughs> but I will, trust me. Um, but I also think what's really valid is just holding yourself in your community. I think that that's really important. Another great way that you can advocate, and I get a lot of people asking me, I don't know how to support this person. And one really tangible way to support someone you love is to cut out their need to search. Okay. Mm. That is my primary job. Imagine you go through something and then you're sitting at your computer and you have to make that moment to Google shelter, mm. right? Because that moment means that you just acknowledged that you don't have a home. Yeah. And that's huge. And that moment is so difficult. So if you even want to pop by my office and be like, do you have some stuff that I can just take with me? The best thing you could probably do for a loved one is say, don't go, don't, you don't have to do that. I know of the things, yeah. right? Here's the number. I have it right here for you. When you're ready, if it feels good, call it. And I'll sit right here by you while you do it. I'm not going to do it for you because this is your choice, but I did all of the work. Do all of the work so that that person just has to say, I'm ready. I can't say thank you enough for everything mm -hmm. you continue to do. 
Um, and we appreciate you for putting in this type of hard work and day in and day out and showing love to our city. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and you. And I just want to say thank you to you as well. I really think, you know, Doomtree has, this is not the only time that Doomtree has stepped up for DAP. They're at different blowouts. Doomtree has contributed some of their fundraising to the domestic abuse project in the past. I don't know if you guys know that, but they have. Um, and they've always been, you know, Doomtree is kind of part of my family, and they've always been critically supportive of me, and I appreciate that. And that is one of the ways that we empower survivors is by standing with them in those meaningful, tangible ways. And so that means a lot that you would share this with us. So thank oh, you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Man, Tuesday Woo! night. I was, I was high fives galore. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, let's give it up one more time for Kristen Crabtree and Megan Ray of the Domestic Abuse Project. I think we all know now, we've yeah. learned something. Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's stand up for it. Come on. You guys sit down. Please oh. don't stand up. We're all gonna honor you by standing while you sit. Um, okay, that was weird, but it was kinda cool. Um, so with that, we are almost at the end. Yes. Thank you, I know we go over time. That's oh, not too bad. Not, not too, too bad, bad. not too shabby, um, could be But worse. we're gonna cap this thing off. I know you heard Greg before the intermission say he was holding off the, the party joints till the end. So it's time to reveal them. Um, I can't thank everybody enough. Huge shouts to the sponsors, Copycats, Bent Pedal, um, Absolute Red Bull, yes. the Parkway Theater for having us. So many sponsors, so many sponsors. just sponsors. counting up the money. But yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, so many sponsors. <laughs> it's the year of the endorsement for infinity. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and to Greg and to the Domestic Abuse Project. Um, let's hear some some music. Yeah, Should we thank do you it? guys. Okay, welcome Greg Grease to the stage Woo. once again. I'm MXPX for life. What's up? Can y'all stand up again one more time? Yeah, let's do that, you know? Motivation. What's your motive for your motivation? What's your motive for your motivation? What's your motive? What's your motive? What's your motive for your motivation? Don't wanna complicate the conversation. They try to decimate the population. It's time for us to change our We've been for breaking the law. Scraping the fake dead weight, gotta fall. Put them in a pot, got a match for the ball. Didn't bring a boot, but I'm kicking through the door. Who? Run up in the bank, put the money on the floor. Set it on the flame, then I'm running for the ball. Not over the fame, but I'm running for the port. Gotta cheat the frame, cause the mind is in the hole. We won't bankroll, pile on payroll. Mars peso sounds the queso. Rock coaching, chiller, coats. Race for the green like Daytona. Selfish for Prada. Payola, draw for the green. Crayola, been the outcast. Stank on ya, been plotting on our takeover. What's your motive for your motivation? Don't want to complicate the conversation. They try to decimate the population. It's time for us to change our...